0: Welcome to the Financial Tech Podcast, Show Number Seven, recorded on June 29th, twenty eleven. I am your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting from sunny but high flood watered Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, we post this podcast each week to theaverageguy.tv. You can contact the show podcast at theaverageguy.tv. Find us on Facebook by searching for the Average Guy Network, or follow me on Twitter at jcollison. Today, joining me is my good friend and colleague at the Credit Union. Andrew Hunt. Andrew,
1: how are you doing this afternoon? I am fantastic, Jim. How are you? That's
0: good. I'm doing well. What's keeping you busy in the credit union these days?
1: Well, uh we've been busy with real estate loans, been busy uh you know in my world and in the investment side, obviously there's been some really great buying opportunities out there recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah, markets so well, kind of down a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, a little bit, it's, it's bounced back, back these last couple of days, but uh yeah, we've had an exciting 3 months and uh be interesting to see how the end of the quarter turns out.
0: Yeah, and then so what's traditionally what's the you know, for the financial—not for the markets, but maybe for financial institutions. What's what are the hot items in the summer? Is it mostly real estate as people are buying and and selling their homes?
1: Yeah, you know, tail end of spring, first part of summer is obviously car buying season. Everybody's out there, uh, you know, getting rid of their old old vehicle, looking to buy something new, and there's all kinds of advertising. That that one's pretty obvious. And you know, you kind of get a lull midway through the summer. Um, and then you get into home equity loans and student loans uh, tail end of summer. So
0: okay, well, we got a busy summer coming up, and I know you guys are looking forward to a busy, yes, uh, busy summer uh, there at the uh, at the Gallup Federal Credit Union. Um, and Andrew, some exciting announcements for you personally. I you know we mentioned this on a couple podcasts back, but there's some things that are official now that you can add to the end of your title on your business card. That's tell, me, right. tell me what those things are.
1: Well, I'm officially now a certified financial planner. And I passed a, passed an exam, and nice. uh, so actually check. legit on the podcast yeah, that's now. Right, that's, that's right. That's right. Actually legit. <laughs> yeah, they had that's to awesome. uh, they had to run my background check and make sure that uh, I was what I said I mm-hmm. was.
0: No yeah. felonies. You right. Hadn't jaywalked recently. Right. Parking tickets. Those, DUIs. Those nothing kinds like of that. So what's what are the letters that go on the end then of your name at this? So
1: same? then it's CFP, Certified yeah. Financial Planner. Yeah. Awesome. And we're regulated yeah. by the Certified Financial Planner Board out of Washington D.C. And they've got a new promo website out there. I'll go ahead and uh, plug it's uh, Let's Make dot org, and uh, really, yeah, nice. kind of new promotional deal the CFP Board is putting out there to. Uh, let people know that we exist, and uh, you know there's a real society of financial planners out there that um, are trying to do the right by our customers and by our clients, and it's all about education.
0: And then, what have you been blogging about at um, uh, what's that? What's the site dot .com,
1: dot com. Right. that's right that's the one uh we've been uh, blogging a little bit about saving um there's you know i had a recent it's been blazing hot uh, in omaha it's supposed yeah. to be almost 110 tomorrow oh. uh but so i had a and i was in new jersey recently and it was blazing hot there too i just can't seem to get away from it no <laughs> anyway thanks for
0: bringing it back by the way <laughs>
1: So I've been blogging a little bit about saving for major expenses, you know, like when the air conditioner breaks. Um, so there's some, there's some good articles out there right now. Now, we
0: just recently went through a wedding. My oldest son got married a couple of weeks ago. And there is nothing that'll make you go broke like a wedding. That's right. That's just brutal. So, you know, uh, 10 years ago, we went into the bank and I said uh, to my financial planner at the time, uh, you need to help me save for these weddings. I have four older boys and I knew, you know, we nice. don't have to save a ton, but we would need five to 10 grand probably per kid. And uh that never worked. Oh. I never got there with yep. it and uh and so you'd think I'd be smart enough to maybe do that now. That's one of the things after this wedding. It uh, kind of destroyed the the budget, so to speak, and so we'll put that piece back together and yeah. kind of have a plan. Uh, Sarah and I sat down and said, all right here here's what we need to do um but yeah that that is if you've got teenagers um it's never too late um you may not be able to save for their college, but for God's sake, save for their wedding that yeah. is that is one expensive deal, and it depends. It depends on the kids, right, right. And, and how much they want to do and such. But um, it can. I know my son won't listen to this podcast, but man, it's an expensive deal. <laughs> so, so just make sure you plan for it. It is one of those um, one of those events that can, if you're not ready for it, it can really take you by surprise. Absolutely. So start uh, maybe start saving for
1: that. And, and the price tag can be unlimited, just like you said. <laughs> it really can. You know, I think,
0: Andrew, one of the things that caught me uh, off guard is we had budgeted some cash for that, but you get uh, about four weeks out and then all of a sudden, even if you've blown through all of your cash, right? I mean, so if things are always more expensive. We had more people come mm-hmm. to the to the uh, the rehearsal dinner than we expected and, and the family's coming to town you don't say no right? that's right you, you, you invite them and in. so that that blew through the budget a little bit um but you know as you get up to the wedding you get hair appointments you get nail appointments you have you know the, the girls are doing these things mm-hmm. this dinner out you're yeah. taking that you can't just stop that ship in midstream <laughs> right you, you gotta say and you don't want to be the guy who says no right I mean it's it's it only happens once for that's this right. couple so uh, very hopefully, difficult. hopefully once so it's hard to stop so the, uh, the lesson learned from from my you know my side is have double what you think it's going to take yeah because it's probably going to take it
1: it's kind of like a home renovation it, it is <laughs> yeah you know it'd be great
0: if they sold marriage insurance that's right? that would probably be the right risk wedding, management for wedding, marriage <laughs> wedding insurance we're going to talk a little bit about insurance today and and I'm going to get your take on some things with insurance but you know that, that would be one of those things would be great if I could put fifty bucks, uh, you know, a, a month into. Uh, oh, I should just put it into a savings account. That'd be a lot easier. Let's talk, Andrew, a little bit about insurance. You know, uh, insurance can be one of those topics for for folks. Some folks get it, others don't. Some right. some feel like they don't have to have it. If they don't get it, they're confused by it. Maybe they buy it at work and they don't need it. Maybe they've had an over aggressive insurance salesman uh-huh. try and sell them. Uh, back in the day, when I was young, I had. Um, and, and I won't mention the company AO Williams, but a guy come in and, and try and sell me some very, very aggressive, uh, insurance, you know, it was, mm-hmm. uh, buy term and invest the oh, rest. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and that was pretty much at, over the last 25 years, that's played out as a total scam. Mm-hmm um, you know, in in that, but the, not, not that principle, that company. Right. Right, Yeah. So yeah, because that principle I think is good, but the the investments they were putting it into were not good. (laughs) good, So we're gonna talk a little bit about insurance. Why don't you, why don't you lead me out on that conversation?
1: Yeah. Well, if there's one thing that we're really good at in the financial industry, and and I guess I could lump insurance into the financial industry as well, is making things super complicated and scaring people off with it.
0: (laughs) I love that.
1: (laughs) And we're really good at it. and, And you you know, a big part of my personal mission and purpose is to try and make uh, what what seem to be financially complicated topics approachable. And insurance is really pretty basic when you start thinking about it. Um, and really at the essence of all insurance and the essence of anything that you're insuring, whether it's your home, your automobile, your life, whatever, um, the when you boil it down, what you're getting at is transferring risk um, because there's risk associated with, with those particular pieces of property or your or your life um, because you outlaid some cash to buy your house. And so if, if like in Omaha right now, the floodwaters are rising, so if, if your house gets flooded out and destroyed, um, you're out there. the the money you put up for your house. That's a risk. In in Omaha, it's not a very likely risk unless you live right on the river, Um, but uh, it still could happen. Uh, With automobiles, risk of getting in an accident. With your life, risk of premature death. It all comes down to risk transfer, and that's why you buy insurance. And so there's really three ways you can think about risk. Uh, There's risk that is infrequent in occurrence, and pretty minimal in scope, right? So it doesn't happen very often. And when it does, it's not that big of a deal. There might be some cash loss or there might be some value lost, but it's not a big, big deal. That is the type of risk that you want to retain, right? That's the stuff we're comfortable with keeping on. Um, you know, for example, if you've got an older vehicle that, uh, you know, if it, gets in a, if it gets in a fender bender, you're probably not going to fix it. Um, then you're probably just going to have the most basic insurance that doesn't uh, have com- Comprehensive coverage to get it fixed. In other
0: words, doesn't try and replace that vehicle.
1: That's right. right. Okay. That's right. Because you're willing to retain the risk of getting a fender bender. You just don't care all that much. <laughs> yeah. And I,
0: I had a van like that. I had Absolutely. An, I had an old '80s van that, if it got hit, it got hit. In fact, I I got rear-ended one time. Yep. And uh, I made about three hundred dollars. And I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna fix the bumper. I did more damage to the other vehicle. By the way, it was one of those old steel bumpers oh, yeah. on that just took a Lexus out. <laughs> I actually drove the towing. The towing hitch oh, right yeah. through the radiator of the Lexus. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, in that case, on that van, I didn't carry. I only carried the necessary insurance to cover someone else in right. case it was my
1: fault. Liability insurance, absolutely. So you retain risk there, and that's that's one form of risk that, that we want to retain. Um, the other, can I say one thing though? Yeah. If we're going to retain that risk,
0: we should probably think about having the cash available to retain that sure. risk, right? So, so if you're deductible, if you're going to retain the risk of your deductible right, right mm-hmm. at that point, that's what you're doing. You're gonna you're you're choosing to pay. Out. You should that's probably right. have that amount of money in an account somewhere. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Good.
1: Yeah. If it, like in the past podcasts, we've talked about emergency funds. Emergency funds. Once you have a nice built up emergency fund, nice and large, three to six months of expenses, those work great for some of this retained risk. Um, the second. Oh, go ahead. When, I'm
0: sorry. It, it, so from a deductible standpoint, let's just talk about the deductible yeah. for a second. Unless you got that in the notes farther, but. Is it okay, you know, I don't have to take the minimum deductible on a, right. on a auto insurance, right? I could retain that risk or I could increase... The mm-hmm. risk to me by increasing the deductible amount, so from five hundred to a thousand to two thousand, self-insure, right, That's right? At that point, and then my premiums would go down. So it's a of right. risk management there as well. Right? Absolutely, I don't have to take the five hundred dollar deductible that the insurance agent sells me,
1: right? Right. And the thing that you have to think about too is, you know, I, I, sometimes people tune out when we start talking about premiums and, and deductibles and and all that stuff. But when you think about the deductible, it is the amount that the insurance company forces you to retain, right? It's the amount of risk that the it's your skin in the game as we as we say um, and so think of when you think about deductible amounts so if you have to pay the first five hundred dollars of your auto claim that's your skin in the game that's so you don't file faulty claims right and and you should definitely have a savings account for that deductible amount absolutely. Yeah, or
0: file a claim for everything yep right? <laughs>
1: yep yeah. exactly so then the second time of risk uh, would be a risk that is uh, frequent in occurrence and significant in, in scope. So that's the type of stuff that happens fairly often. And when it happens, it's pretty huge. And these are the type of risks that we just want to avoid altogether. So for example, we know that when people um, go skydiving, your risk of dying is significantly increased. And that is absolutely catastrophic than if you were to just stay on the ground. So uh, to avoid that risk, you could just not skydive (laughs) same thing with smoking Uh, we know that smoking statistically reduces your life expectancy so if you you know if you don't want to die prematurely don't smoke Uh, that's risk avoidance right so with the most most significant risks just avoid them Uh, that's that's one thing that you don't need insurance for in fact you can't get insurance for those types of activities so you have to just avoid it
0: yeah, you know that's probably a good example of something you shouldn't do is if you can't buy insurance for it. That's right. Yeah, and I know, you know, hey, all you risk takers that that are saying, oh, you're crazy, you got to live life. Well, okay, I mean, you got to live life, but from a pure risk management standpoint, pretty silly.
1: That's right, yeah. absolutely. And I've been skydiving, and it was one of the most uh, awesome experiences of my life. But sure. at the same time, we're talking about pure risk avoidance here, and yeah. risk transfer. And stuff. I was in the military. That's a pretty you yeah, right. You know? <laughs>
0: so yeah, it's not you can't avoid all those things, but certainly there are there are ways to make other decisions about around them.
1: Absolutely. So then there's, there's the last type of risk, which is where the risk is infrequent, but when it does happen, the significance is very high. So you have infre- infrequent occurrences but significant scope, and those are the risks we want to transfer, and those are the risks that we buy insurance for. So example of a, an infrequent but extreme risk, premature death, right? Um, If you were to die at a young age due to whatever, you know, sickness, get hit by a bus, whatever, um, that would be horrible and tragic. And it's not going to happen every single day. And in fact, it rarely happens. And so you can buy life insurance for that. Um, you know, a full comprehensive collision auto insurance, the odds that you're going to c- completely demolish your vehicle uh, beyond repair are pretty low. Uh, it happens, absolutely, but you can insure that risk. And so those are the types of activities we want to buy insurance for. Um, so when you boil it down, there's the three types of risk, and there's only really one scenario where you want to actually purchase insurance for that risk. And that's the last one we just talked about. So when, you, uh, when you're buying insurance, the, the really important thing is getting back to this whole discussion of premiums and deductibles. And this is the area where a lot of people – I think we're going to add a lot of value today by telling you guys this because <laughs> this is the area where a lot of people go wrong. And I've got a fantastic example. So a lot of times people go out and buy dental insurance and they'll say, "Ah, you know, I got to have dental insurance, which is great. And and maybe your family does, but have you ever done the math? Um, Because when you start thinking about it, dental insurance tends to be pretty expensive. Uh, It might be something like 50 to a hundred dollars a month um, for premiums. So every month you're paying a hundred bucks every month. And then when you go to the dentist, uh, potentially uh, you end up having to pay some sort of deductible as well. Maybe it's the first 10%. Well, I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we tend to go to the dentist twice a year, and uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at the actual bill for that those cleanings, but it ends up only being about $200 a visit. Um, so then you can start to see, okay, well, if I just paid for this out of pocket, I will have paid $400 per person per year, so $800 a year. Well, if I'm taking my premiums, you know, my $100 a month, let's say, I am spending $1,200 a year on insurance premiums for dental insurance. Well, that's all fine and good because if I have some crazy dental thing happen where I have to have, you know, root canal or crowns put in, something really expensive like that, it's likely going to cover it, but I'm going to have to pay the first 10%. So then you have to kind of ask yourself, right, is this really worth it? I could probably just have two cleanings a year for $800, Or I could pay $1,200 a year, more than even the cleanings cost, for insurance on having extreme catastrophic mouth (laughs) things happen. (laughs) And that's the math quiz, right? Right. That is what a lot of times we neglect to look at. What is the actual annual cost of this insurance? If I just paid cash, could I get a better deal? And dental insurance, in this particular example that I'm giving you, Yes, you could. And then that extra little piece, that risk of, of having some catastrophic mouth stuff go on is the risk you're willing to retain.
0: Now, Andrew, you're married, no kids, right? right. I'm married, five kids. Absolutely. So each of my kids adds an element of risk. Absolutely. Uh, from from my standpoint, my premium, I pay the same premium whether I have five kids on the plan or one kid on the plan. Right. right. They, they never – So for some cases like me, that insurance always pays for itself. That's right. I mean, I, I there'll become a day when it won't. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I hear guys like you, yeah, I'm looking at you. I, I look at <laughs> guys like, oh, you don't need it. Now, you're very, very reasonable about the I mean, you. I think the important thing is here to do the math. It's That's not right. about whether some people on principle say, ah, I don't need right, that. Right. right. Well, it, it's really a math equation. And then uh, you, you do got to look at how you know because the dental insurance. You're right; not all dental insurance is the same. That's so right. Look at your deductible. Look at your out of pocket expenses, and then add that all up on an annual basis. Multiply it times five because there's a five year. You know you're gonna you're probably gonna have one significant incident unless your teeth are terrible or you right. have perfect teeth. Right. Um, you know, run some
1: scenarios. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah and that 's being a you know armed and aware consumer, right? Uh, you never just want to go buy especially an insurance product just because that 's what you should do. You always want to kind of do the homework and this isn 't complicated math it 's really just understanding those three concepts that we talked about at the beginning risk avoidance, risk retention, and risk transfer. What are you willing to keep uh, in terms of in terms of risk and I think you know, at the end of the day, it has to be worth it for you to want to buy an insurance policy to transfer the risk, and you just got to you got to run the scenarios. Do I have five kids? Well, then yeah, it makes sense right. to transfer the risk. Right. Absolutely,
0: Andrew. What about um, I, I see these insurance policies now that I can buy uh, at maybe a big box store mm-hmm. when I'm coming, you know, I'm coming out. I've just bought a piece of electronics gear, and they say, hey, for seven dollars, we'll extend the warranty by a year or will double the manufacturer's warranty, right? And that's a form of insurance, Ooh, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, talk about that a little bit.
1: And I'm really excited to get your opinion on this one too because – I am of, uh, you know, I'm under the impression and, you know, how I operate personally is I never buy the extended warranty plans, especially when I'm purchasing electronics. Uh, You know, Best Buy's got this new deal where you can pay them, I think it's, you know, a couple bucks a month and then you can trade in your electronics. for the guarantees the price. Yeah. Trade in price. (laughs) You basically basically. lease the vehicle, (laughs) lease the electronics, right? right? Right. Um, You know, and typically when you run the math, um, it's not it's not as worth it as it sounds. You end up um, well, and the couple things that they're counting on, right? The the first thing they're counting on is that uh, whatever you did to your hardware to break it uh, won't be covered under the warranty. Right. That's the first thing they're counting on. The second thing is is they're counting on the fact that if you do break your hardware, you're going to forget that you had a warranty and you're not going to bring it back. And then the third one is that you'll someone uh, will actually bring it back and will actually get their money's worth. It's all statistics and all actuarial games. Um, so I never purchase it. Um, I am kind of of the impression that I should, uh, you know, I know I'm going to have to replace certain items, uh, whether that be a TV or a washer and dryer or a furnace or whatever, Um and you know, for my furnace, I do have the uh, the, the the plan that where I, we have the the servicer come out uh, once a year to do the updates, uh, which I think is worth that. But I don't buy the extended warranty from the from the place I, I bought it from. I just plan on replacing it after its useful life has expired.
0: Yeah, I you know, if I buy a piece of electronics gear and it's a hundred bucks, and for seven dollars. I, you know, I just say no. Right. You know, I'm a self-insurer mm-hmm. at that point. It's, it's just not worth it to me to to put that insurance on. I, I, that is one of those things I almost standard across the board say no. Now, saying that, anything, my policy has been anything involving water, mm-hmm. okay? So dishwasher, uh, the fridge that I bought that has a water, um, you know, ice and, and oh, water yeah, dispenser. Sure. Uh, water is the most destructive force on the planet. And right, we'll wreck everything it touches. <laughs> and so, any any kind of equipment that I use, like my car, that that uses some kind of you know uses water as part of it, yeah, I'm absolutely all about the policies. Then at that point, okay. and, and those pay off for me. I, I've had the the dishwasher looked at once, maybe twice already for the fifty dollar deductible. There you and, go. and had some parts repaired. It's just for me, it's one of those things. Now you got to be careful of the policy. You want to uh-huh. read everything that's in there. Uh, but you know you put in a seven six hundred seven hundred dollar dishwasher and and it it 's most likely going to fail in the first two years because of that water yeah uh, the the water um that it uses. So that for me, again, it's just a personal deal. That's just the way I run. I know, you know, it's just going to be destructive. So that's what I do.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's important too here that there's certain risks that you'll retain with, you know, the smaller, the smaller, uh, right. Yeah. I'm not going to do it for my iPod that's and probably right. not my
0: computer either because I fix computers. Right? Yeah. That's there one you of go. The things I do. So, I kind of self insure that way. I know I can service it. I know I can repair it in most cases, and I am willing to take on that risk for a couple hundred dollars of a part to say they don't go bad that often. And if they do, I am going to know a savvy way of repairing it. them. Let me ask you this, Andrew. So we just talked about two kinds of insurance. One was a health related insurance. One was covering items. What if you were to rank the importance? Of insurance policies and and the way people should have them if I'm if I have no insurance right mm-hmm. and I'm starting to look at the different types that are out there how do I need to address those what do you think
1: well it's an interesting question um, you know because there's a few that are required by law so for example if you have a car you're required to have auto insurance so you should get that. <laughs> yes, you should. You should. Uh, the, the second Yet, one.
0: <laughs> a quarter of Americans don't. Uh, yeah, uh, scary. I mean, it is. It. It's amazing. Um, you know, you're just rolling the dice. That's there. right. Get if, your auto insurance. If
1: you're driving in a car, listening to this, and you don't have. Uh, don't have auto insurance, don't be that guy and go get some auto insurance. <laughs> right. Pull off
0: to the side of the road. <laughs> that's right. Put your car in park, pick up your cell phone, call your insurance agent. That's
1: right. Uh, get some auto insurance. The second one that's going to be required by law, it's not yet, but by 2014, it will be law, is health insurance. You're going to have to have it, whether that's through the public um, option, through the government, or through your employer. Uh, that's going to be required as well. And you know what? Health insurance is a good thing to have, even if you just have, you know, some high deductible health insurance for catastrophes, you know, those freak things, like your appendix needs to be taken out, or something like that. That's thirty thousand dollars without an a health yeah, insurance policy. Yeah. Um, you know, you can find those for fairly reasonably priced, um, even if you're not employed. But then from there. Um, I would kind of suggest the next most important one would be homeowners or renters insurance policy. Uh, You're required to have a homeowners policy uh, if you've got a mortgage. So go ahead and do that. But if you're a renter, and this is one that boggles my mind every single time, if you are a renter, get renter's insurance. It's like less than $20 a month, depending on your zip code. Very, very affordable. And it covers um, if you're burglarized, if your building burns down, if somebody gets injured inside your property, it's going to cover those types of incidences. And if you don't have it and your building burns down, your apartment complex is not going to cover any of your possessions. They're going to cover the four walls that surrounds your apartment. And so it's super cheap, guys. Go out and get some renter's insurance. but You can get it anywhere. We'll talk about some resources for quoting renter's insurance and things like that. But you should have it if you don't. You know,
0: one of the things, because m- my son's dealing with this now. He lives in an apartment. Mm-hmm. He asked me. And I said don't. And Ooh. when I lived in an apartment, I didn't either. Mostly because, though, when you get renter's insurance, you also have to be very careful about how you catalog those things that you own. This is really the same with homeowner's insurance as well. Right. If, uh, so say you own a very expensive, you buy one of those Bose Wave radios, right? They're right. a couple grand. I mean, they're very expensive. Well, you've got to prove that you own that. Right. Well, your house just burned down. Likely everything that you, you, could, you had to prove that you owned it probably just burned down with it. It's possible. So um, you, you need to catalog... Take video, take pictures, make sure you've got your most expensive things, catalog, right. serial number, um, because the insurance company is going to want proof that you do that. So just a little caveat on that. If you're going to get those kinds of insurance, so you have to with the homeowners. You should do this anyways. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get renter's insurance... Um, and I always, when I was a renter, I'll be honest with you, I didn't own anything right. worth anything, right? The yeah. clothes on my back and a few things that I actually wanted to burn. <laughs> right? I just didn't own a lot. Um, but but that being said, make sure you category, category no, that's not the right word. Categorize. You catalog. There we go. Sure. You catalog that which you own so you can prove it to the insurance company.
1: And simple little thing. This is a tech podcast. Here's what we did. I took my phone, turned on the, you know, i it's got a six megapixel uh, video camera on it. Walked around, took video of my apartment, saved it, put it out on the cloud um, with our uh, Flickr account or or whatever you're using. Dropbox would be an option for that. The new Amazon stuff. Absolutely. Uh, You you do that, it's out there, saved in the cloud, and you've got an inventory of all your stuff.
0: Yeah, you might also want to take a picture of Mm -hmm. the serial numbers as well. So flip that thing over, model, serial number. They all have a uh, – most of them have a plate on there that's got the information about what it is, not good enough to – I mean, that's part of it. Take a picture of what it is. Flip it over, snap a photo, whatever, of those serial numbers. Again, drop them out on the cloud where it won't burn. Uh, from a tech perspective, I also have a portable external hard drive that's both fireproof and waterproof. So it's like a data safe. There you go. Right. And so if the house burns down, uh, it's got a ceramic layer around it that automatically, when it senses the heat or the water, it automatically seals up on wow. that hard drive, and it can withstand 1,400 degrees wow. for up to... Fifteen, no, thirty minutes, an hour, two hours, something like that. I forget. I forget what it is. We actually burned one of these out in the desert to, oh, to prove it would work. It was a blast, literally. And <laughs> and uh, anyway, so that's that's another piece of a tech equipment that if you maybe you live. We've got some listeners that live in Australia, and it's expensive to move their data to the cloud, sure. right? And so because they have to pay bandwidth caps and such, so. Uh, an external hard drive that would act as a safe. You know, we always used to buy safes, right, to mm-hmm. keep your to keep your those kind of items. Well, now you almost need a data safe. So that's right. think about your backup strategy where you're putting that data, but make sure you take it and it's somewhere not where it can burn down or be flooded.
1: Yeah, and you know, so it's a lot easier than it used to be. That's that's for sure. So renter's insurance, important. So, so far, just to recap, uh, auto insurance, health insurance, renter's insurance, all really important. And then from there, I would say in this order, long-term disability insurance and then life insurance. Now, I know some people are going to say, "Wow, what? (laughs) Um. Yeah, exactly. But you are, I think the metric, and don't quote me on this, but I think it's you're 12 times more likely to be disabled than you are to die young. And so um, disability insurance is really, really important um, because if, if you're disabled and can't work, you're still going to have bills. In fact, you're probably going to have more bills. And so what you can do is you can go out and you can get a disability insurance policy um, that covers what you were making, usually about up to 60 to 70 percent of what you are making for your own occupation. Now, that's a really important terminology, you want to find a disability insurance policy that covers your own occupation. So it reimburses you if you cannot fulfill what you were doing. Uh, otherwise there's other policies out there that are based on any occupation where if you can do anything, they won't pay you. So if you're a greeter at Walmart, they will not pay you. So you want to get an own OC policy is what it's called. That's good to know. Yeah. There, there's some free advice here today.
0: And that's what the AFLAC is about, right? When you see those commercials with that crazy disability and, insurance, right? that, yep. that kind of stuff, right? Okay.
1: Exactly. There's, there's a little bit different. Um, you know, they're the AFLAC policy, but disability insurance. And you can find this uh, and, and Term Life, which I'm about to talk about, at xanderinsurance.com. It's Xanderins.com. And they're an insurance broker. Um, It's on the web. You can get quotes on all these things from the convenience of your home office. But disability insurance is really pretty important, especially if you're in, uh, you know, a profession where, uh, you know, you're the primary breadwinner or something like that for your family. The second, you know, and and probably one of the last most important things is is life insurance. And, you know, this is a huge, you know, if we're going to get comments today, I bet we get comments on on life insurance. Uh, But I'm a proponent of term life, which basically um, all you do are doing is insuring against pre- premature death. You can buy policies out there for different terms, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. They're, they come in all different flavors, vanilla, chocolate, and, and cherry. <laughs> but you, but basically what you do is you pay very reasonable premiums, um, depending on your life expectancy, your age, your health status, things like that, um, insuring against premature death. And then once you get to, a, you know, your, the term ends on your insurance policy. Then it is no more. You can re up it, or you can just stop. Uh, now, the other type is whole life um, insurance, or what we also call permanent life insurance, where you pay a portion to a life insurance and a portion to a cash value, um, and this cash value is supposed to grow with some interest rates and things like that over time. And uh, at the end, when you when you when you die, no matter if you uh, the term is up or not, uh, there's some sort of insurance remaining when you pass away, uh, and that's all fine and good. Um, And, you know, there is a place for permanent life insurance. I'm not an absolutist by any means of saying that permanent insurance is bad. Um, But I think for most folks, term life insurance is much more appropriate. And um, we don't have enough time to talk about it today. But if if we want to talk about this more and we get some more reader comments, we can. Uh, But for most people, check out term life insurance, Xanderinsurance.com. Great place to find affordable quotes. And uh, it's going to be most appropriate.
0: You know, that, with that ter- term insurance, right, it's just really, I mean, there's not too many flavors of life insurance, right? That's it's, right. You die, they pay. That's right. Right? And so <laughs> price does matter. That's right. Right, From an insurance standpoint. So you really are looking for just kind of the cheapest, especially since you're paying every month for the mm-hmm. next 30 years. That's right. You get a 30-year term. Um, and, and, you know, I, I took out a 30-year term a-, a ways back hoping to make it just to 20 and then kind of be done with life insurance at that point. Uh, maybe be self-insured because right. you can be self-insured from a, a life insurance standpoint. Absolutely, when, you're, when your assets, it's. Uh, I think uh, one of those guys, one of those financial guys, calls it reaching critical mass. Okay, right, and and to the point where it, you cannot insure yourself for more than your net assets are worth, and then you, what do you need insurance for? Right, That's you right. Don't buy insurance if you're worth ten million dollars. Do you need life insurance? Probably right. not. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's all kinds of, you know, if anybody's going to shout us down, they'll start talking about estate issues and liquidity and things like that. And I get that, guys. I'm a professional financial planner, don't forget that. <laughs> and but let my uh, my recommendation is simply because the vast majority of people don't have estate liquidity issues. Um and so uh, I think term life is is very appropriate for a lot of people. Um and then the last type of policy that I think that you should go out and and investigate is a simple umbrella policy. Uh, an umbrella policy covers all of the other things, right? Uh, if somebody falls on your property and sues you for a gazillion dollars and your home insurance will only pay up to half a gazillion dollars, uh, then an umbrella policy can come kick in and, and cover the rest. And it can be, you know, typically I don't advise people to purchase this until they're making more than $100,000 a year um, because, eh, you know, let's just face it, you're not going to have a lot of need for it outside of that. But it's very affordable in most cases and it's a nice little extra cushion. Good. So that's what I've well, got excellent. on insurance. That's
0: insurance in a nutshell. Of course, uh, Andrew, we'd like you mentioned feedback. So if you've got some, you know, we do have a limited amount of time here. And so if you uh, you have some questions, comments, it seems like there's nothing better than insurance to bring out uh, the best or the worst uh, in people. Uh, very hot, contested topics around that. Some people feel very passionate. We'll take Absolutely. all those things. Absolutely. Podcast at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can send those in or just comment right there on TheAverageGuy.tv. You can... Um, you yeah, you can post your comments there. Just be nice. We're we're not into angry, venomous <laughs> uh, a, a post. If if you have an opinion, just state it, and, and we'll move on there from from there. Andrew, I uh, appreciate you coming out today. Well, this will be a wrap on number seven. We'll do it again here. I know we took a well, we took almost a month Long break to yeah. to get uh, a lot of things going on with the both of us and uh, some vacations in there and a wedding. Um, for me. We Just will try and get it. another one back here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but uh, have a great uh, couple of weeks. I'll see you around and we'll do it all again here. And that's it for the Financial
1: Tech Podcast. Thanks, Jim.
0: One, two, welcome to the welcome to the Financial Tech Podcast show number seven. Thank you very
1: much. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs>
0: Get the deals now.
1: When you go into your broadcast. I do. It's, hey, it's everybody does. I know. I you do. have
0: to. When I do the beginning. And you want to. It It defines the beginning of the show, you know. See, he's in, do he's thing. he's in podcast mode right now.
1: I understand. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the seventh edition of the Financial Tech Podcast.
0: I hope you recorded that. From
1: Gallup that. Studios, Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, here's
0: Jimmy. <laughs> I hope you recorded that. Oh, man, that would have been good. I, I actually would have used that i have to do it another time. There you go. I like it. You, so you ready for us? Is it recording? I'm always ready. Is it recording?
1: All right, here we go.